turn this morning with me to St. Matthew, uh, chapter 18, the Gospel according to Matthew, and chapter 18, and we're going to look <clears throat> at verses 21 through 35. As we continue this morning on our discussion and thoughts concerning forgiveness. We started this immediately after uh, the resurrection of Christ on Easter, and we want to continue thinking on these thoughts because this is what where salvation begins is with forgiveness. Alright, this morning, read along with me here. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from... uh, Sorry. Will also uh, will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank You for Your Word. And as we have sung, and as we have recited, and as we have heard Your Word read, as we have heard testimony of Your grace in our life, Lord, now help us to respond to Your Word through the preaching of Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Forgiveness is a gift. It is a gift from God. And it is a gift that we also must give. Uh, You say, Marshall, you've already said that. 
Well, so did Jesus, and He decided to repeat Himself. And so, excuse me for repeating myself this morning, but we need forgiveness, and in order to get forgiveness, we must give forgiveness. In other words, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. It's like putting on metal that will not let it penetrate God's grace. But if we forgive, we open up in such a way, just as Baz said, as he embraced that young lady and changed her life forever, he opened his arms, he opened his heart. And that is the only way, this is the only posture to receive from God is with open hands, not closed fists. Not with an angry, resentful, protective heart. You will never receive anything from God. It will not happen. Now you heard that from the Sermon on the Mount, which is also recorded in Matthew, and you also heard it from Jesus' very prayer. Forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Which is why the title of our sermon this morning is, As We Forgive Our Debtors. And what better story to go parallel with what we're talking about this morning than the one Baz has already given to us. As a real living example, and this is why going to the saints of God, listening to the saints of God, those who follow God, and their testimony is powerful for us uh, and changes us. It's the testimony that scares Satan away, uh, according to Revelation. Now, look with me at this parable that Jesus gives. First thing to notice is this. Notice Peter's question. And back up a little bit just to get some context here. Notice that before that, Jesus is actually dealing with uh, a sinning brother or sister. So what should you do when somebody in the church is doing something, somebody in your family is doing something, someone in your life is doing something, you go to them. After that, you bring a couple other people and go to them in love. And if not, if it can't be resolved there, you will need to... Uh, do something as a church together in order to get it resolved. Um, And then Jesus gives that fascinating statement that we all love to say, but we never understand the context of it, and that is, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now he gives that right in the heart of controversy. Isn't that interesting? In other words, when you're dealing with problems in your life, which I don't know about your life, but my life seems one problem to the next, some days at least, and some weeks. It's one thing to the next that we have to deal with in our lives. Look, when you're dealing with problems, that's where Jesus wants to be. Not in some kind of fanciful life. Not in some kind of fantasy life that never happens. Some kind of utopia that we never quite get to. But instead, in the real dirtiness of life, that's where He says He'll meet us as we gather together in His name with other brothers and sisters. That's where He'll be. And some of you right now are in the midst of a controversy in your life. Some of you are right now in a problematic place. There's something going on internally. There's something going on relationally in this very room. And this is where Jesus wants to meet you. He wants to meet you in the unspoken words, in the things that are not said, in the things that we try to suppress in our life and hide in our life. He wants to say, no, you bring it to me. Do not hold your closed fist any longer, but instead posture yourselves in such a way as to receive from God His grace. The only grace that can save you. The only grace that can help you. And so He gives us this context here of 
of dealing with problems. And then Peter says this, which this is typical of Peter if you know him, if you're familiar with Peter. He wants to be up front. It's not that he wants to be up front, he just is up front. Uh, many ways I seem to replicate uh, him in this way of speaking before and, and trying to be better than what I thought it was and thinking I had something really good and then it really wasn't that good. Notice what he says here. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, <clears throat> how often should we forgive someone? Hmm. What about seven times? Now what you need to understand historically is we know that the rabbis of the day were teaching that you needed to forgive, but you needed to forgive three times. After that, you can be done with the person. Three times you forgive someone, which I mean, hey, that's, quite frankly, that's a lot. You think of somebody at your work who says they're going to do something or did something to you and you say, look, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just don't let it happen again. They do it again. Well, you're obligated three times to forgive them. That's, that's quite a bit, especially by our standards in America today. Normally we just say, away with you. I'm done with you. Three times. So Peter doesn't go six, but even goes seven. He's willing to even say, you know what, Lord, what about seven times? I mean, seven times. What about that? Is that how many times we need to forgive? And Jesus says, I'm not talking numbers with you, Peter. Let me give you a number. Seven times 70. How about that? And the point is, don't keep count. That's how many times, Peter. But thanks for trying to be lifting yourself up. But instead, continually forgive. And then he says this to Peter and to us this morning. He says, you know what the kingdom of heaven is like? The kingdom of heaven is like this. You have a king or a master who has many servants. He's going he's to get his accounts together. And in doing this, this one servant comes to him and it says that he owes him 10,000 talents. Now, that is equal to about 370 tons of silver. Okay? That's a lot. That's in the millions. So in other words, he owes this king millions of dollars. And so he says to him, hey, please, please listen, I, I will pay it all, which I think is untrue. I mean, he is a servant after all. He, where's he going to get the trucks to, to load all this silver up and where's he going to get the silver? It ain't going to happen. And he falls down before the king and pleads for his life. Because in the ancient world, unlike today's world, where you can just file for bankruptcy and everything is erased... Um, that was not the case. You were sold into slavery in order to pay your debt. And most of the time what would happen is you would be put in jail. For instance, you know, you owed something, I would be put in jail. And then maybe one of my friends that had a lot of money might be able to <clears throat> pay the debt so I could get out and be with my family again. But if not, then I stayed there till I rotted. It was just that simple. And a lot of times, as he was going to do here, he, they sold their whole family. Just said, look, your whole family is not, definitely not worth millions of dollars, but whatever I can get out of them, that's what I'll take, and I'll just be done with it. That's what he was going to do. Well, instead, he has compassion, just like the story said. The master has compassion because he falls down at his feet and pleads for his life, pleads for his family. Um, and he actually ends up forgiving the debt. 
It's not that he just says, okay, I'll give you more time. Or okay, you know, we'll set up a payment plan. But instead he says, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. I don't need it. And he forgives him the debt. The story continues with that important term, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which shows contrast in the story. Contrast between the master dealing with the servant and the servant dealing with the servant. Notice the differences here. One is simply trying to settle accounts. He's not looking for an individual. He's just, hey, you owe me. Let's get this taken care of, okay? I need to get the books right. The other guy here, the servant, purposefully goes after this guy. That's what the text says. Purposely seeks after this guy who owes him. Now, he doesn't owe, but what does it say? A hundred denarii, which a denarii is a day's wage. So however much you think you make in a day, if you calculate that up, $150, $200, $300, however much it is that you make, he owed a hundred of those. So in the thousands. So he owes a few thousand dollars to this guy. He takes him by the throat. Notice the difference in the two stories. Immediately takes him by the throat and says, you pay me. When he pleads, which by the way, the story says the exact same thing. Have mercy on me and I'll pay you all. Have mercy on me and I'll pay you all. Well, he says no. Now remember, this is after he's been forgiven of millions of dollars. 370 tons of silver in that day. And he cast him into prison until he was to pay his debt. Which when you did that, you pretty much ensured that they were going to be in prison unless this guy had a family and friends. Because there's no way to work when you're in prison. There's no way to make money. Therefore, you are stuck there. Well, his fellow servants see this and don't like it. They think it's terrible what he's done. And so they report it to their master. And when he finds out, he brings him before him and he says, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had mercy or pity on you? And he was angry and so he delivered him to the torturers. Notice that. One was cast into prison, but ultimately he was cast to the torturers. It's an interesting usage of term there for that same thing. Bondage. Torturing. Because I think it's exactly what Baz was trying to tell us, and that is, if you allow unforgiveness to reside in you, it acts as a torturer. It will torture you all the rest of your days. You can't handle it. You're not meant to handle that. It's something that grows in us and with us and destroys us like a cancer if we allow it to. Because it's sin. It is sin. Unforgiveness is sin. But I've been done wrong. Unforgiveness is sin. We've all been done wrong and we've all done wrong. You see, what I notice about this story... 
One has a great debt to pay. The other doesn't. We all have debt to pay. We all have to settle accounts with the king. The king of kings. And we've all racked up a debt. No matter what it is, small or great, we all have debt to him. And we must be forgiven. In this room today, some of you still need to experience the forgiveness of God for your sins. Some of you need to be honest with the Master and lay your life before Him. That's what you need to do this morning. That is your call this morning, is to lay your life and plead your life. Not plead your case. Not try to justify yourself. Justification only happens when you lay yourself on the cross. God, of course, is our Master who will have compassion on us over and over again. Haven't you noticed in your own life His great compassion? Haven't you noticed in your own life His great mercy? Jesus says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother of his trespasses. Notice this terminology, from the heart. You may not ever see the person again. You may not ever be able to extend a verbal forgiveness to them. But you must not let that reside in your heart. It will kill you. It will kill your soul. The only way to live and love in relationships are to forgive. That's it. We must forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. You see, here's, here's where I think we are, at least where I am, is I'm like, I'm like what Baz said earlier. I think I'm doing you a favor. And in fact, it's only helping me. It is for you that you forgive and let it go. Now, you won't forget it. The pain won't leave. But that anger, that resentment, that root of bitterness that springs up in us, when we look at that person, we immediately think of it and demise them. We just despise that person. We think of them wrongly. Maybe it's a mate. There's a lot of unforgiveness in couples. Because one side never confesses it or somebody's lying. Somebody's been hurt. There's a lot of forgiveness and unforgiveness that is mixed into marriage. One party's not doing it, the other is. Listen, in order for your soul to receive grace, you must practice forgiveness. It's not something easy to do, but it must be done. And... If our why is big enough, the how will come along. In other words, if you know why you're doing this, you know that you've seen sin before eat at your eat away at your soul. I mean, Baz recognized that immediately, he said to us. There's anger. Now, when I get angry, I don't want to recognize what he recognized immediately. It takes me a little while. 
I want to blow up first. And then I want to pick up the pieces. Bass says, you know what? This is not from God. It's a powerful testimony this morning of how God's grace and His Holy Spirit can convict us and help us and we can receive His grace, His help, His forgiveness, and then we can turn around and give that same kind of forgiveness so that we don't end up like this guy who doesn't forgive, who doesn't have mercy, who doesn't have God. This is Jesus' point in this parable. You see, really, we've been forgiven much if you're a Christian. We think nicely of ourselves and bad of others. We're quick to critique. We're quick to judge. But we never see ourselves in that situation. We never see how much debt we've accumulated. How much is it? What would the number be this morning? Of how many times that you have cursed God's name verbally or with your life claiming to be Christian claiming Christ and not living it how many times has it been when you have disobeyed the Ten Commandments not putting God first worshipping other things in your life how long have you lived for yourself the debt that you've accumulated is immense and he's willing to say forget about it I want you. Remember that path we talked about? He wants to be in you and you in Him. One with God. Communion with God. That's what He wants. And He's willing to do whatever to do it, but we will not ever receive it if we harbor sin in any form, in particular, unforgiveness. Jesus says explicitly, when he's teaching on prayer, you will not be forgiven if you do not forgive. And so if you have the kind of attitude, I'm not dealing with that person, I'm done with them. That is not the Christian attitude. And I hate it because I would like to be done and rid myself of some people at times, but it's not what God has called us to do. Writing off people is something we do not do as Christians. No matter how addicted they are, no matter how problematic they are in our lives, we don't write them off because God didn't write off me. And I was problematic. I've worn out a path of mercy to Him. If it were not by His mercy, I would not be where I am today and I still have much to do. There's much to be worked on. But that doesn't mean we stop there. It doesn't mean we shut down shop once we've learned a couple of things. Because what we find in our lives is that sin was much deeper rooted than we ever had idea of. It's deeper in and His cuts must be deeper as we get older. This is not a superficial thing. This is not something that we just come down and say one prayer and the panacea kicks in and we're, we're healed. No. But instead, this is something we constantly come to God with. On your knees, begging Him to heal you. 
The purpose of forgiveness is to lead to healing. We heard a story this morning about how Baz offered forgiveness and healing. This is exactly what Jesus offers for us today. In your marriage, in your friendships, in your family, in your co-workers, don't do it with contempt. I forgive you as if now they owe you something. Do it as a gift for healing. Justification is also at the same time our sanctification. It's where it begins. And fully it ends with entire sanctification. But it begins with being forgiven. Are you forgiven this morning of your sins? Because if not, you are damned to hell. It's it's point blank. I hate it. You hate it. No one likes the doctrine of hell. And yet it is a reality. No one likes the doctrine of suffering. And yet it happens every single day. It is a reality. If you sin, you will go to hell where there are sinners. A place never created for you, but for Satan and his host. Do not let the enemy deceive you this morning and say to you, you're good, you're okay, don't worry about it. Just keep that one little bit for yourself. No, instead relinquish your life this morning and you'll find true joy and happiness. He's offering us happiness. Are you happy in your life? Because He is the only one who can make you happy. Period. You've tried to do it on your own. Stop. Fall down and beg Him for His mercy. The only way to approach this table this morning, this gift of God this morning, His body and His blood, the presence of Christ is with a repentant heart in faith to God. It's what Jesus' first sermon was about. It's what John the Baptist preached. Repent and believe. This morning, do not come to this table if you have not repented of your sins. If you have not been forgiven your sins. And Jesus tells us elsewhere that if we come to His table asking for forgiveness and yet harboring unforgiveness toward someone else, go to them now. So if you need to whisper to your mate in the next few minutes, forgiveness in your heart. Again, remember what He says here, in your heart does not forgive his brother or sister. Then do it in the minutes of preparation we're about to have for this holy meal, this sacred time. Jesus' grace is here with mighty power. As the song just sang, that we just sung said, Jesus' name is power. Breathe that name out. Lay your life before Him and He will be the present help that you need.